Okay. Thanks for tuning into today's session. Uh, we are happy to have you here to share some final advice and tips for our domestic final application round coming up on January 12th. Uh, it's hard to believe it's end of November here on the 30th, and um, that we know you're gearing up and ready to submit over the next um, really several weeks. And we thought it was great to touch base live to share some final tips, some final pieces of advice uh, to help you through finishing your application with us. So again, this topic is really focused on our final domestic round for starting with us coming this March um, 2024. The program does begin on March 6th. So let's get started to some of the um, pieces for helping you put forward a competitive application. So when we are often asked, you know, what is an IV fit? And we jokingly will say, What's the million dollar question? You know, who is Ivy looking for? Who is provided an offer into the Ivy MBA program? And oftentimes it surprises applicants because we're not saying right away a 740 GMAT or even a GMAT in the 700s. Um, you know, we do look at the component of your academic horsepower, but a GMAT will not define you getting an offer or not getting an offer on its own. When we're looking for an IV fit, we are really holistic. And I trust me, I know a lot of schools say this. It's holistic. All the data points are weighted equally. We look at the overall merit of your profile. It is especially true with our program, and I have to reinforce this because of the methodology of our of our program. You know, we're relying on you as the students to share with each other, to be willing to think outside the box, to be willing to learn from others, to consider different ways of approaching a problem. And if you're someone who's more closed-minded, it's a black and white world to you, you're very rigid in your thinking, you don't like to take someone else's opinion... You know, save yourself the money and uh, the time, and, and I wouldn't advise applying to our program. You know, so we really want to dig into your profile. We want to learn more about what are the experiences that you've had. Um, do you have that generous spirit where you're willing to help a classmate if they're struggling in a class, and maybe you're an expert in that field? And on the flip side, if you're struggling, are you willing to ask for help, willing to be vulnerable and seek that assistance? That's part of that spirit that we're seeking, and that's part of the reasons why we have such a strong I would say cohesive group and also reflects into our powerful alumni network is just that there is this, this is this mentality of paying it forward of helping others. You know, we offer a one year rigorous awarding experience, but it's, there's a lot to it. There's ups and there's downs and it really brings everyone together. So as long as you can depict in your application through your admissions interview, maybe through your professional references, maybe even some of the cure questions are asked this this idea that you like to help others. Maybe you do it formally as a mentor, maybe informally you already do that. But this, this strong sense of interpersonal skills, helping others and giving back is part of that spirit that we seek within our applications. The MBA readiness is a category that's really around like, why now? Why do you feel ready in your career? This is the opportunity for you to pursue an MBA. Is it logical? Does it make sense? Um, how are you approaching MBA schools of choice? Are you applying to like 40 different schools or are you really doing a nice concerted effort based on your understanding of the programs and ultimately your understanding of what you think is the environment you thrive in? There's so many quality MBA programs out there, but it's figuring out what's the right investment for me. So this MBA readiness can come down to you in your essays, your narrative around why now in your career? What are your goals out of an MBA program? Are they solely based on a career? Or have you also recognized through your professional experiences that 
Maybe there's some areas you can improve upon your soft skills, things like leadership, managing others, uh, conflict resolution, you know, uh, receiving constructive feedback. So these are all part of that MBA readiness that will come through in your essays, also to your, your references, as well as your admissions interview. It's actually a whole topic on MBA readiness within your admissions interview, but we'll get to the interview later. And last but not least, the other final category we assess is the intellectual horsepower. By this, we're looking at not just a GMAT score, nor are we looking at just your GPA. Uh, I'll dive deeper into those topics in a minute, but as a whole, what our admissions committee is trying to determine is, have you demonstrated enough horsepower, especially the quantitative capability, that we feel you can keep up with the pace of a one-year program? That's what we're trying to assess. So if two factors are low or all factors are low, we're not quite confident and we don't want to set you up for failure. But if one is high and one is low, well, you equal out in the middle. So as a whole, out of three larger sort of bucket of what we assess in the admissions committee, these are the three areas that we look for. And when all three are strong, well, it looks like you're going to get an offer and likely a scholarship. But let's dive deeper into these areas to give you some more specific feedback and advice. So this is sort of what we sort of address in our event listing that we're going to cover during, I'm going to cover during today's conversation. Uh, I am going to go a bit deeper into this. I do welcome your questions. I will try to take the questions at the very end, just to make sure in the essence of time, we get everything covered. And if you still have some questions, more than happy to address. So um, you can use the chat option and I'll be certainly happy to address those um, to the broader group. So let's talk about leadership. You know, this is often a bit of an area of confusion for applicants because it's such a vague term leadership. Like what is Ivy really seeking when they say, what is the work experience, what you're looking for? And why that we really mean, what's the leadership you've, you've demonstrated so far in your career? You know, at a, at a base level, we do want at least two years of full time. And we like it to be up to around 10 years. It's a bit of an asterisk around the 10 years because it does depend on the quality of the experience, we have had those who've had maybe 11 years experience, but they wasn't at a senior level that made them not a fit for the classroom. And this is the, the balance we're trying to find. Because again, every day in class, you're solving a real world problem. So we want to make sure you're not too junior, where you're learning a lot from your peers, but you're not really contributing that much. And you're not helping your peers learn. On the flip side, we also don't want you so experienced that, wow, your peers are learning a lot from you, but you're not getting much from them. So what we're wanting to understand through your resume, through even the work experience section of your application, also your references will play a role in this as well, and your storytelling abilities in your interview, we want to understand from you, like, what are the projects you've been involved in? Have you demonstrated the ability to achieve results? And results doesn't have to always be quantifiable, but have you helped projects get to where they needed to be? Are you someone that has had the opportunity to persuade others to maybe bring forward an idea? Maybe you you, saw, you have a lot of initiative and you thought of new ideas for the team to take into place. These are all demonstrable of, of leadership. This is really what we're trying to understand is, are you able to think outside the box, be creative, bring in others to see your perspective, handle responsibility and achieve results? And this can be a varied of backgrounds. Uh, honestly, you know, I've been very fortunate to be in this role for over five years now, and I have seen so many unique backgrounds come into our program thrive and do very well afterwards. These are backgrounds of military. We've had entrepreneurs, those from family businesses, uh, those who've worked at you know major corporate partners, those who work at small startups or boutique firms, those from the medical field, frontline nurses, physicians. We've had lawyers in our program, elementary and high school teachers, sports professionals, 
And all of them have landed into a corporate role afterwards or or started their own business. So this really comes to show that we're not going to nitpick on what was the title of your role, but what did you do? What was the impact you've had? And that's really important on your job is to convey that very clearly in your application, in your resume, and again, storytelling through your admissions interview. So that's really what we're looking for. You know, I did note here as well, your professional references can touch on your leadership. In fact, um, one of the categories the references comment on from the form is leadership. And so this is really where, you know, don't worry about it. You have to have a title where people report into you. We're not looking at that type of leadership. Certainly, if you have that, that's fantastic. But again, it's more of the actual responsibility piece, impact piece. And if you've had a great depth of career, career experiences, are you showing progression and you've received promotions? Well, certainly that bodes well for you that you have demonstrated those abilities. So that's sort of the leadership and the work experience overview that we are seeking for those uh, to join our program. On the academic side, we do get a lot of questions around this. And we understand on, on two parts of this, it's it's a... It, it can be a bit, um, you can feel a bit low on yourself. You know, maybe in your GPA or university, you didn't do quite as well. I understand. I mean, you know, the first year alone, I think, is, is a write-off for many people. Maybe you're living on your own for the first time. Um, there could be personal things going on. You know, university to high school is very, very different in terms of grading and expectations and workload. So we're not going to look at your year one. In fact, we only look at the last two years of university. So whether you have a three-year degree, a four-year degree, or master's, the last two years of university education are the only years that we look at. We will calculate a cumulative average. And another bonus point here, we don't have a minimum. And I know this sometimes can confuse applicants. Like, why don't you have a minimum? Like, what really do you want to see? It will depend. And I think this is a great thing with our admissions process. We are not going to write you off if you score below a 3.0 or below a 70%. We're going to look then at, well, what's the career this person's had? Have they progressed well? What do their references say about them? Do they show intellectual capability through their career? Have they written the GMAT or GRE? How did they score? Have they achieved any further professional designations? Other side, though we don't count college diplomas or extra courses, we often work with a lot of applicants who didn't do well in their university, let's even say the last couple of years, not their strongest academic showing, but they've continued their education. They've taken extra courses, some diploma programs. And so while those grades won't count, it's not going to hurt. It's going to show us that, wow, you've continued to invest in yourself. You're trying to do the best you can do. So we will look and take that into consideration to see that you have that academic horsepower. So this is where, though, as that category I touched on earlier, you know, there's, there's, we look at both sides of this. So if your GPA is lower, you will need to compensate that with a higher standardized test score and or professional designation and or progression in a relatable career. Uh, that will really help give us the confidence that you can keep up with the pace of our program. We're not trying to be jerks. You know, we're just trying to make sure that we feel confident in your capability to keep up with the pace of the program. Yes, there's lots of support and you can work with your peers and faculty on understanding the concepts and terms learned through the program. But on your own, we want to feel that you have what it takes. We do offer some automatic GMAT exemptions. I speak mostly in GMAT terms, but this also includes the GRE, which we accept equally. Now, the automatic exemptions are for certain professional designations, including Canadian PNG, Canadian CPA, CFA 2, and CFA 3. So automatically, if you have that, you don't have to write the GMAT. 
Now, you may want to based on career goals, such as consulting or investment banking, but that's a separate conversation. For application admission, it would not be required. We've recently been very excited to launch a new tool we're able to put together, which is an opportunity for applicants who have a STEM undergrad or business, econ, or commerce to apply for a GMAT exemption. So this is a form that you can get from myself or from my colleague, Amy Froud, where we will actually take your transcripts and your resume and get back to you within a few business days to let you know whether we feel a GMAT would be required. We're going to look at your transcripts, at the grades to see the individual scoring. We're going to see if there's progression and again, the relatable field. We'll get back to you to say, yes, we think you have already what it takes. A GMAT is not required as part of your application. Another possible outcome is us not feeling quite so confident. And we'll then advise that we don't feel that we can provide the exemption at this point. We might need to see more information that might again include a completed application. So we can hear from your references. We can see your essays. And importantly, we can have you go through the admissions interview to get a bit more of a sense of your fit from an academic perspective as well. At that point, we might then provide you the waiver or we might still say a GMAT would be beneficial for setting up for success for our program. So this is something that we're happy to do. Um, so please do reach out to us afterwards if you've not yet received it. I know we've sent some recent marketing emails. So if you haven't seen them, check your inbox or spam again. The form was sent to everyone. But of course, please feel free to reach out specifically if you've not yet received it. In my opinion, there's no harm to try. Let's just see where you land. You never know. Um, and we are trying to re review those decisions relatively quickly within two to three business days um, as much as we can. So the references, you know, part of the application, a lot of it is like, okay, who am I going to reach out to? You know, we often get a lot of questions around, do I have to use someone with a C-suite title? Does it have to be my current boss? You know, how many references are you looking for? What types of references? So I'm happy to kind of lay it out the line here and really give you some great advice on who you should be selecting for helping really vet you to be admitted into our program. So it is an important part of the application. So we only want professional references. This is really, really important. I know we cited a few times in our application, but there's always still a few that come through that's an academic reference and we can't accept it. So in that circumstance, it delays your review. So please make sure to only include professional references. We need at least two and only two. There is an option for a third, which can be helpful if there's a third person you think is going to provide a different perspective than the other two who have already submitted their reference. Um, if you are self-employed, this comes up often, you know, who do I use or if you're in a family business? I mean, we have to assume your family would give a positive result. So we unfortunately cannot accept any blood relatives. Now, if you are self-employed or work for a family business, our suggestions are to use maybe a client or a corporate partner. Um, maybe again, in your previous employment, if you weren't always at that family business or self-employed to use someone from other opportunities, it can even be a colleague. It can often be confused that a reference has to be your superior. That doesn't have to be the case. What really we're looking for are two individuals who've seen you work. They've seen you demonstrate that leadership. They've seen you work well with others. They understand what are some strengths about yourself. They also has a, have a perspective on, you know, there's some development areas with this person, and maybe this is how the MD will help them continue to flourish and grow. So it's two people of any level. We do prefer them to be more recent in nature. So if you started working, let's say, eight years ago, someone from your first two years of employment not really as recommended to submit because there's just not a recency effect there. So I would steer to the last, you know, handful of years. 
specifically two to three or four years um, for reference for you, because it will give us a better, more accurate indication of your professional abilities. We do accept volunteer and extracurricular references. I would put this into that third reference category, to be honest, because we're really trying to understand you as a professional. That's where we go back to that leadership assessment, the MBA readiness assessment, uh, how well you work with others in the classroom. You know, these are these soft skills that are really important to us. So I would steer to choosing two professional. And if you have a third, that could be a volunteer. Maybe you're a soccer coach or a baseball coach, or uh, you give back to the community on, on weekends. Any of those are absolutely great to see, but I would put them into the third reference category. As well, we've often seen references come through where it lists they're a mentor. And that's absolutely acceptable as long as they actually still work with you in a professional capacity. If it's solely a mentor that you have through maybe a volunteer association or a board of directors association, and they've never actually worked with you, again, that could be a third reference, but I would not include that in your two professional references. You know, I think probably the most common question we're asked with this reference selection is, if you haven't told your boss yet, how do you approach this? Are you going to be viewed negatively if your current supervisor is not listed as a reference? And the quick answer is you will not be judged on that. We completely understand if you've not yet had that conversation. You probably want to figure out where you stand first with the MBA schools you're applying to before you broach that conversation with your employer. So by no means are you at a disadvantage if you do not use your current employer. We totally get it. Now, with the references, we're a bit generous in timing. So I always advise applicants that once you start an application and you get a bit of the lay of the land, the first thing I recommend is connecting with your references and emailing them that form from within the application. You want to give them as much time as possible to complete this. You really don't want to be pushing them and under the wire to get it done. You're likely not going to get a very thorough, thoughtful reference. Personally, I am always disappointed when references come through and when asked about leadership, to this huge, you no know, free form text box, I see one sentence. Yes, uh, Jane works very well um, with others. She has demonstrated great leadership abilities. Doesn't really tell me much. I want a little bit more about that. So I do advise that try to go in, talk with your references, email them the form. So this is a clarifying piece. I know a lot of other programs have an actual reference letter that your references would write and submit. Ours is a form from within the application you start. Now we do include this in the instructions where we say we advise to use a personal email and not a uh, corporate one. Unfortunately, this form comes from our Salesforce CRM, which means we know firewalls tend to block it a lot for those corporate emails. So if possible, please use their personal email address. If it's not possible, send it, but also I'd recommend there is an electronic PDF that's available from the application. You can also email them that directly and their submission instructions within that as well. Now, I note here on this on the slide that the status of the of the reference must be at sent. If it's at created, that means you have put in the information, but you've not yet emailed each referee the form. In order for you to proceed with submitting your application, the status has to be at least sent. This is where we provide that extra flexibility with references. If you're ready to submit and you've given them time, but you've not yet heard back from your references, then you can still submit. We will need the references completed by the time of your admissions interview, because this then allows us, after your interview, to take your whole file, review everything thoroughly, and then come to an admissions decision. Now, what happens is once you've emailed each referee the form, when they submit it back, you will get an email indicating, 
Jane Doe has submitted a reference of John Adams. So then you know, okay, great. One of my references has come through. When both have come through, you know, okay, perfect. I've had my interview. Both my references are submitted. I'm in good standing with Ivy. I or Amy will also get in touch with you if by the time of your admissions interview, we have not received both your references or, or we're missing one of them. Just a friendly nudge to say, would you mind reaching back out to make sure that they can submit it for the next day or so? But I do recommend going in there and submitting those forms to them as soon as you can. So then that way it gives them enough time to give some good thought to you as a candidate for our MBA program. So I think I've covered everything for the references there, but certainly get those questions on this at the end. More than happy to clarify or address anything further. The essays, the essays overview of our application. You know, we do have a couple of essays in there that are certainly required. We have some video questions and some optional essays and, of course, a scholarship section. So I'll cover all of this and hopefully give you some good tips as you're continuing to work on your application with us. The essay number one, this goes to the MBA reasoning. You know, I touched on that earlier of this conversation about what that means and how we decipher this information, where we get this from. And this is where, again, it comes in your essay, also admissions interview and your references certainly will play a role in this as well. Again, the references really are a big part of your, of your candidacy assessment. What we're looking for in this essay is why now? Why in your career are you thinking the MBA is right next chapter for you? What are you hoping to achieve from an MBA program? Are you getting soft skill development, career goals? We'd like to see both to be honest. When we see essays that are only focused on a career and a very steadfast, specific career, though that's fine, we do like to see candidates say, I would like to do um, sales at Johnson & Johnson, but I'm also open to maybe a leadership development program or marketing role, or maybe something relatable that I'm not quite aware of yet. There's only so much research you can do in advance of a career outcome. You know, you know yourself so far in your career, what excites you, what you really like to do and areas that, oh gosh, I really don't like doing this. And so that's how the career team is going to work with you is focusing on what you like to do, what you've done well in, where you want to grow your career. And then they're going to share some ideas with you as well. Maybe you've really focused just on marketing, but actually when you talk about what you like to do, it's more of a sales role. So that's why in this essay, we're not going to hold you true to what you say exactly. You know, it has to, if you write marketing in there, it means you have to go into marketing. That is not the case. So many students change their mind from that essay into the program because, as I just mentioned, when you interact with career management, when you meet alumni, when you go to information sessions hosted by these corporate partners, that's when you really actually understand the career opportunities. We can all read a company website. We can read their culture. We can read their job postings. But we all know ourselves. Job descriptions aren't exactly the true understanding of what you're doing day to day. That's where it helps having those conversations. So I advise you in essay number one to be open-minded with your career goals, to also depict the, the sort of soft skills you're hoping to learn from the program. And when you talk about why you're looking at Ivy as an MBA program, please share more than just our statistics, you know, our success rate, our eighth ranking of number one school in Canada from Bloomberg. Like, we appreciate you know that information, but we also know that information. So what I'd rather you say is, what does that mean to you? Are you knowing yourself that you don't thrive in a lecture-based program, that you would rather go through a conversation-based experience where you can really ask questions, probe deeply, learn from others, from all different types of backgrounds? That's the part that we try to understand, not just statistics and quoting courses and quoting faculty, unless it means something. And if you say, gosh, I'm really interested in sustainability. I see Ivy as a phenomenal research center. I've already looked at Team of Bansaw and the team that's run over there. I'd love to get involved in that research. 
by all means, please share that. But don't just share cold stats. That goes nowhere. Essay number two, a lot of questions on this one. And understandably, it's a bit of a reflection piece. So a challenge or an obstacle that you face. Well, I'm sure you face quite a few of them. So how do you choose which one? My advice for this is think about the steps you took. Think about the the, the magnitude of this, this challenge that you faced. It can be personal or professional. You know, we're not going to judge either way. We're trying to understand how do you how do you respond when things don't go as planned? Have you demonstrated some resiliency? Are you able to persevere, to think outside the box, to maybe pick up yourself and, and pivot and move forward? Are you able to do that? That's what we're trying to understand. So as you explain the example, and we do also appreciate when it's in a bit of a car format, a content action result, in general, that's how we love to do everything. And you'll get through that with career management through the program. That's really what we're trying to understand is, are you able to pick yourself back up, move forward? What were the steps that you took? What was the outcome? So personal and professional, that's really what I would um, you know, advise you to focus on in this essay. Um, it really helps give us some color that you do have that resiliency piece. Our program is tough. It is rewarding, but it's tough. And there's going to be days where you question things and you're going to be struggling. There's days you're going to be thriving and doing so well. So how are you, right? Through the emotional roller coaster. That's what we're trying to get an assessment of. There are Kira video questions. So these are questions that are probably the worst part of our application. I get it. No one likes seeing themselves on video, um, but we do have them in place. Um, specifically, we added them for cold applications, ones we did not have a chance to engage with. You know, part of the work that myself and Amy do is we love to have phone calls with you to get to know you, answer your questions, helps us get to know you better than just your, your resume. But our admissions committee, they don't get to have that chance. And so they like to watch these videos to get an idea of your communication cadence, to get a style of yourself. And we also do learn a little bit more about you. Um, but number one question I'm asked about Cure is, well, how best to prepare? There isn't really a great way to prepare otherwise, other than going into Kira, doing the practice questions, and then recording the two that are attached to your profile. Now, they're only behavioral questions. We're not going to quiz you on when Ivy first began or the first MBA program or give you any skill testing mathematical questions. These are behavioral questions. In so fact that a couple of questions, one question would be, um, what are the three things you're looking at when choosing your MBA programs of choice? Well, you should kind of know that, right? And so you're you're given the question. It's a video. You're going to see either myself or my colleague, J.D. Clark, give the question through a video. You will be then given 30 seconds to jot down some points. And I encourage you, jot down some points because when it starts recording and you have one minute to capture your answer, that's going to help keep you on track. Now, listen, we know there's times we're all very verbose and you're rambling and you can feel yourself rambling and then you're cut off. Don't worry about it. We've seen that. We've also seen where maybe you speak even more quickly because you're nervous and you've got all this extra time at the end and you're just sitting there. That's okay. We have seen it all. I'm not going to bore you with all the details and examples, but I will confidently tell you no one has ever been denied based on their Kira questions. Okay. They are not a weighted data point. It is simply an opportunity for us to learn a little bit more about you. Um, another question, and I, I will share with you that's often asked on the Kira, there's about 25 random questions. But it's something about yourself that you think might be challenging to your peers. And that's really a reflective one, you know. And so that is a question that's often asked. And it's, again, not to say, oh, we can't admit this person. But it helps. It also shows if you're self-aware. So not a bad thing to share. There are optional essays. And I really want to reinforce the word optional. Essay number one, essay number two, the Kira, those are all mandatory. But the optional essays are just that. If you want to share more about your GPA, maybe it wasn't strong, 
please do, but don't feel that you have to. Um, the scholarship section, we do really encourage you to fill out. You know, approximately 85% of our, of our applicants do receive a scholarship. Um, you are considered for a scholarship, but we do, even if you don't fill out the section, but we really appreciate you filling out the section. And you really should, because it's allowing you to give more to yourself. It is a guided response on what to share. And you can follow sort of the essay and the paragraphs that's outlined there. And it's okay if, if the MBA reasoning is copied from your essay number one, totally fine. But I also can advise that if there's something about yourself that you really couldn't get into in the other essays, and you really think it's important for the admissions committee to know about yourself, maybe you're a passionate dragon boat racer, maybe you are, you know, in all these different committees, and you've been giving back since your early, you know, university days, whatever it is about yourself, that if you feel, as you look at your application and your resume, that it's not being strongly conveyed, and that would benefit the admissions committee to know about yourself, then write about that. So though there's a guide on what you can say in the scholarship section, you can totally go off in another direction. I have the saying where it's like, leave it all on the table. This is your final hurrah at the admissions committee. Write there what you feel is most important. Now, I do want to clarify with these essay, the scholarship section, that there's two essay components. The one is in general admission scholarships. We do have some specific fellowships, Ramba, Entrepreneurship, and Forte. Now, this is still under that umbrella of admission scholarships when we say 85% receive an award, the average award is 35000 but there is a section where we say, if you are looking at one of these three fellowships, we need you to write a specific essay about why we should choose you for that. Those awards are more competitive, and also limited numbers can receive those awards. And finally, we need you to really make it clear for us why you should be receiving those awards. So hopefully that's a bit more clear. I know it can be a little bit confusing, but um, you only need to complete the optional scholarship essay part if you want to be considered for one of those three fellowships. Okay, moving on to the admissions interview. So within the application, you you know, you put your unofficial transcripts, you've got your resume, you've finished two essays, you got through the horrible video care questions. Um, you have sent the reference form to each of your referees. You've, I've got everything done. So you click the magic, big submit button. You're ready to move forward to next steps. So within one business day, you'll be notified from our admissions team of whether you're moving forward to the admissions interview. Now about 75% do. Um, so majority do. And we're going to be positive and say everyone tuning in today is moving forward to the admissions interview. What happens then is you will then be provided with um, a, a series of dates and times when to book your admissions interview. This interview can take place either in person here on campus in London, Ontario, uh, or it can be virtual. We totally understand that most choose virtual. There's no bonus points if you come in person. But if you do come in person, really encourage you to let myself or Amy know. We'd be happy to, to meet with you, have students meet with you if they're around, um, sit in on a class if that's possible. So please do keep that in mind and share that information with us. It is helpful for us to know. We would love to at least you know have your experience on campus be longer than one hour. So that is actually... Spoiler alert, the, the duration of the interview is one hour. It is with one number from career management. And this is intentional. You know, we're a one-year program. You should all know by now there's no internship in our program. And we've got strong career success as two-year programs, if not higher, of those making career changes and those being successful with their full-time career when they graduate. But for, in order for us to keep those statistics and to keep students, you know, being, you know, uh, being successful with their careers and feeling confident in the program, we want to have career management buy into the applicant as well. So we want them to assess them based on their professional experiences so far and 
Back again, that MBA reasoning category. So this one-hour behavioral interview is with one member of career management. In that email notification, you are given a lots of dates and times to choose. They are during the workday. They are Monday to Friday. They are not on weekends. You know, I think they start as early as 8.30 a.m. They can go as late as 5 p.m. If you are looking for a 5.30 time slot or one just outside the average workday, please contact the email that you were sent and they'll be happy to work with you to try to accommodate as best as they can. To prepare for the interview, the first thing we advise in that email notification, there's a private podcast. You'll have to hear myself and Amy again, but we are there breaking down that entire interview in very good detail. We break down the five categories, which are MBA readiness, leadership, uh, your interpersonal skills, your coachability and adaptability. It's the five categories of questions you will be asked during the one hour conversation. We would give you the, in the, this private podcast, we do provide you with types of questions. We share with you why we're asking these questions. And ultimately, what career management, this MBA career coach who might be your career coach during the program is trying to understand, does this person have sufficient soft skills? Have they demonstrated enough success so far? Do we see great potential with this person that adding on an MBA with some custom coaching throughout the year They'll be successful with what they're hoping to achieve. That's the ultimate goal. They're not there to intimidate you or make you feel that you're not deserving. It's, I want to get to know you. I want to know more about your career. So you have to walk down memory lane and think about, okay, so when is a time I've worked on a project that didn't go as planned? What happened? What did I do? And this is where you want to work on your storytelling. Oftentimes we can cut up saying, well, we did this and we did that. Listen, we appreciate that you're not an I person. However, we are interviewing you. We are not interviewing your team. So it's important that you do convey that while you're part of a team, what were the steps that you took? How did you respond in that situation? So that's that's important as you're working and practicing through your, your interview preparation that you think in that lens. And again, using that car model is very helpful. You know, you're trying to share an example of behavior where you can, you know, convey to someone what happened and a succinct enough example. You don't want to go on 10 minutes about this example, um, but you want to give enough context to it that the person can follow along. So that content, the kind of the headline of here's what happened. Here's the action, more detail on what the scenario was, what the problem was, what I had to figure out, what I did, and again, that result of the outcome. So try to think of that as you prepare. But that admissions podcast is very helpful and very detailed. It's about over 45 minutes long. Um, we do want to break down everything to give you the best preparation for it. Now, after you've listened to the interview, we're still here. So that's the first step to prepare. If after you've listened, you're like, gosh, I'd love to connect with Lindsay. I want to clarify some things. Book a call. That's where we're here. We don't want you to go into the interview feeling insecure, unprepared. I mean, honestly, everyone still gets nervous for interviews. Um, I used to be on the other side in career management, you know, several years ago and be doing the interview. So I know the first part, you know, you walk in and you're all nervous. And then slowly as the conversation goes on, you start to lessen your nerves and be more comfortable. And we want you to be comfortable. You sell yourself better and tell your stories better when you are comfortable and confident in yourself. And ultimately this one hour interview, you're talking about you, your experiences. They're just trying to get, understand them. And again, we're, we really just want to set you up for success and make sure you've had enough experiences there. So that's really on the, the, the admissions interview that you can expect. Um, you know, what we notified about 75% of the applicants who do apply to our program. So let's talk about sort of key dates and timelines, helping you prepare to join us this March 6th, 
2024. So if after you were waiting to hear this, you know, uh, webinar today to get the final tips and tricks before applying and you're ready to apply, you know, we do, there is a benefit to applying by early next week. Though we say Monday, December 4th, you know, there's a little bit of wiggle room around that. I would say by Wednesday morning, Wednesday the 6th, the latest, you know, we'd be able to turn around and offer a decision to you by the 22nd. The reason we're doing this is because the university is on a, on a forced closure um, as of the 22nd, you know, at 5 p.m. And we don't reopen until the 4th. Um, the admissions committees won't be meeting until the week of the 7th. So knowing that, you think, oh, I would love to know over the holiday break where I stand with Ivy. I really encourage you to, to proceed with submitting the application. Hopefully what you're hearing through today's conversation, and we do have applicable podcasts, application advice number one, application advice number two. We also have non-demand admissions tips and tricks that over the evenings and this coming weekend, you know, tune into those again. Um, to really help you make sure you're putting forward a strong application. And of course, book a call with myself or Amy if there's anything you want to make sure that you've addressed correctly um, within the application. So the advantages are applying for our final deadline is that you would start, you know where you stand. And if it's a positive result and you're ready to accept, we can introduce you to the housing relocation team. Because moving to London, I mean, you know, you housing, housing is competitive. It's competitive across Canada. So we have a dedicated team that will work with you one-on-one based on your financial resources, based on your preferences. Maybe you're bringing family members. Uh, maybe you'd love to live with a classmate. They are there to help you through that. So we pay for their service to work with you. We'll get that started before the holiday break. So that way, you know, as your wheels are turning, you think, okay, I've got to do this, I've got to do that. You have someone there to support you during the housing part of it. We also have a private LinkedIn group for everyone who's receiving an offer. So you can just meet your classmates, see their profiles, get excited. Um, we even have a um, WhatsApp group per region of the world. So for Canada, we have it for um, Ontario and, and Eastern um, Coast. And then we also have West of Ontario. It's really nice just to meet those who are from your area. To maybe you want to, maybe you want to meet up and have a coffee beforehand. Maybe you want to, you know, coordinate your flights or travel together. So we do have those WhatsApp groups as well created to help you engage with it. Career management also, you start to engage with as early as January. So uh, once you pay a deposit with us, you will have access to our internal platform. You get to meet the program team. You see the key date schedule. There's a checklist before you arrive of things to do and meet with career management. So there is certainly some advantage if you're able to apply by the middle of next week. Really encourage you to try to do that and put forward that effort. It's nice to know the holidays you know, where you might be, or even if you get an offer, let's say on the 22nd, it's not due back to us until the 4th. So then of the holidays, you can with your family, you can talk with your friends. Obviously, if you're managing multiple school offers, you can weigh them all out and decide what is the best environment for me to thrive in. And that's the, that's the question you can answer. You may get multiple school offers, but what's the environment for me? Now, I understand if next week, you're like, there's no way, Lindsay, I just do not have time. Okay, no problem. So our final deadline is the 12th. Now, I put an asterisk around that because notoriously we have about a one week buffer around any application deadline. So really by the 18th of January, but ideally the 12th. Um, this gives you enough time after the university is closed. Once we reopen on the 4th, you can again engage with us. We're happy to answer questions, have calls um, to make sure you feel comfortable and confident with proceeding with an application. Now I will say, if you are extending an offer uh, and you apply in the January timeframe, we are asking that you get back to us within one week. One week of saying, yes, I'm coming, or no, thank you. If it is, yes, I'm coming, which I hope it is, uh, we will require also your $5,000 deposit. And that is because once we get that deposit, we can then give you access to the program team, to career management, all the extra stuff that will come your way. So that's the timeline we'd ask on your side to move forward with next steps.
I've mentioned myself, my colleague, Amy, throughout this, this webinar, I would support that we provide. You know, it's one thing that I think really just sets us apart from other programs. We offer one-on-one phone calls and have multiple phone calls a week with candidates, more than once. I have the same candidate. You know, we want to make sure that you feel your questions are answered and not just relying on the website. I think we have a fantastic website and we do our best to have all these podcasts. So when you're working on the evenings and weekends or we're not available, um, you know, you're not sitting there waiting for us. So podcasts are available on all those podcast platforms. Um, it's helpful, especially if you're working on application, you go back to a certain section and listen to it again. But I don't want to take that away from the support that we provide. You know, we know it's such a significant investment in MBA, not just financially, but you're taking up a year of your life. You're likely moving to London. Uh, not many are actually from London in our program. And that's a whole worry as well. It's a whole new city. You know, you're not going to be with your family or maybe you're bringing family with you. And that's also part of the concern. So what we do is we answer all your questions. We're not going to sugarcoat things. We'll give you the, you know, the truth about the experience, what you can expect coming to the program. You know, we think the best resource is talking to those currently living the program. We have great student ambassadors. You can check them out on our website, but we're happy to facilitate an introduction to them. So you get to know the day-to-day experience. As I mentioned, many quality MBA programs in Canada and globally, but we're all vastly different. Culture, the size of the program, the day-to-day, the expectations. So what's the environment for you to thrive in? Nothing like speaking to a current student who can tell you what it's like. We're also happy to introduce you to recent alumni. Maybe you're looking for a specific career transition, the success in the market, another perspective, very helpful with your MBA decision. You know, offer extended and and accepted. We do provide continuous support up until the first day. I mentioned CityMatch, the complimentary housing relocation team. We cover the service. I'm going to work with you to find housing and be set up for success for starting your next chapter in London. Um, Again, LinkedIn group. For everyone who's given an offer, you get to start to meet them, build your professional network and a WhatsApp group for a region as well. So we really want to make sure you feel engaged and supported up until the first day of the program. So please stay in touch with myself or Amy Froud if you're working with either one of us. Uh, if you're first to this webinar have not yet reached out to us, um, you will get an email and one of us will follow up with you. Again, all these, a lot of our on-demand resources are off our website or on the podcast. I've highlighted a few here. Again, the application advice, we've got two parts because we really do break it down per section. We also did a quick series of um, quick tips for application. We're talking about cure video questions and references again. I know those are two areas that we tend to get a lot of questions on. Um, financing your MBA is really part of the decision as well. So uh, we have a Mary Townsend is our financial administration lead. And, you know, though 85% of our students receive a scholarship and we find a very healthy scholarship offering, the average is 35,000, but it's 15,000 up to $70,000 is our full range, you know, off about an $85,000 tuition. It's a pretty good um, ratio, but we understand you're going to take likely out a loan or a line of credit. Maybe you're going to work with OSAP. All that's available. And the information is on our website, but we do have a team to help answer those financing questions as well. In fact, Mary and I did record a podcast on how to finance the MBA. So things to certainly consider um, as you are going through the final stages with us. I will, as this is being recorded, this will be available at not till probably next week. So for those tuning in today, um, you will have to rely on other resources to help you with the final preparation for um, the application. So just a quick summary of next steps before I get to your questions. Certainly connect with us. Don't be a stranger. Really, you're never a bother. We know it is a big decision. So reach out, engage with us, and more more than happy to help you where we can. We offer a few options to engage with us. You know, obviously email. Uh, if you want to do a phone call, you want to do a Zoom call, WhatsApp, or Skype. 
really whatever works for you, we're happy to accommodate. And the research. Yes, as I mentioned, great stuff on our website, um, podcasts, webinars, and in general, some great testimonials on our website. On our student ambassador profile under Meet Our Students, you can actually like, read their background and why they chose Ivy. So I really encourage you to, to check that out as well. The key dates we've discussed, you know, certainly by December 6th, we can get your response by December 22nd, but if not January 12th or at the very latest, the 18th, you know, we'll certainly turn around a decision to you within three weeks of that time frame. And once again, within one week, uh, we will require you to make your decision with us if you apply in January. If you apply in December, you'll have two weeks. So just uh, another advantage to applying uh, next week if you can. And of course, so an application uh, when you're ready. So I'm happy to take some questions. I saw some came through in here. Um, one questions around references from two distinct individuals within the current workplace for the application. Absolutely. You can use different from the same workplace. You can use the same um, two questions. Oh, sorry. Same two individuals. Sorry. You can use two references from the same employer. That is not a problem whatsoever. And in fact, we do see that often because obviously that's where you've been working, right? So you want to um, make sure that you feel like they're going to give the best um, character reference for you in terms of your leadership, your interpersonal skills, your strengths, your areas of development. Um, there's also a bit of a rating scale, I should also mention, um, with the reference form. So though there's those free form text boxes, those categories I just mentioned, there's also a rating scale on your humility, your um, your courage, um, you know, decision making. So it gives us an idea of the scoring. It can be rated from poor to excellent. So, um, you know, it's, it's a nice, an idea of that area as well. Another question I'm often asked with references now that we're on this uh, point is if your reference is no longer at the employment where you worked together, that's absolutely okay. There's a section where that can be explained to say, I worked with this person in this capacity while, while I was in this role. I've now since moved on to X role. That's okay. Your reference doesn't have to still be in that exact same role or company. We understand that as many people do, their, their careers continue to grow and progress. So I don't know if there's any other questions at this time. Oh, one is coming through. That's great. Um, uh, yes, the, the higher score of GMAT versus the low GPA. Uh, great question. And Yes, it's always that question. I know when I say higher, everyone wants like, what does higher mean? So happy to clarify that, you know, anything a 640 or north of that would be considered to be good slash competitive GMAT score. So let's say if your GPA was lower and you had a 640 or higher GMAT, you would be okay. What would be more of a concern is if you had a low GPA, and again, low would be less than a 3.0 or less than, let's say, 70%, and your GMAT was, let's say, a 550. You know, we have to really look to see a strong career progression, your references still would be an automatic no, but it would be a little bit of a, we need to dive deeper into this, into this profile. So um, that's how we assess sort of that, sort of that weight on the, the GMAT. It's a 640 or higher. I know it surprises people and most say, oh, I'm surprised you're not saying 700 or, you know, 680. And it, no, um, you know, it is 640 or higher. You're in a good arena, as I always say. Now, I do want to clarify on the GMAT scores that we just shared. I'm sure you're all aware there are two versions of the GMAT right now. There's the original version and the focus edition. So when I say 640, I'm referencing the scoring of an original GMAT. Now, that may now equate to a 590 in the new focus edition. There is a significant scoring difference because they've modified the scoring and the categories. Now, don't worry. <laughs> um, our team has both breakdowns of scoring. And so ideally, when you're writing the GMAT, if you have not written it yet and are planning on it, and especially if you're planning on writing focus edition, 
we recommend that you aim to be within or around the 50th percentile of the categories. And yes, we don't just look at the overall score. We look at the score in the individual categories. And most importantly, the quantitative capacity. This is, again, that we want to make sure that you're bringing in a good enough score in that area. So if you're in the 25th percentile, that's not going to bode well for you with admission. Not going to say it's a hard no again, but we're going to want to see either a higher GPA. We're going to want to see progressive experience, showing quantitative aptitude, Maybe your references reinforce your intellectual capability. So this is where, again, a lower point, you've got to make up for it in the other areas. And this is really where I advise with your references, if there is a lower point to your profile or a, let's say lower, but if you know that, let's say your GPA isn't great and you're not sure about the GMAT, you know, having your reference really speak to, you know, we rely on this person a lot. They're so quick thinking. They're smart with their, with their offering. Um, we rely on them heavily. They really show a strong quantitative capability, that's going to help. So that's part of where, you know, talking to your references about what you're hoping, you know, where your MBA goals are and what you're bringing to the program. And if you know some areas you think might be considered a bit of a weakness, it would not hurt for them to be aware of that, that maybe they can overcome any of those questions that we may have as a committee. So certainly speaking, um, you know, again, I hope you're taking away from this. We really do ebb and flow. We are holistic. It's not a cut and dry, you're out. Um, we really do want to weigh everything thoughtfully. You know, we are not believers in that what happened to your university degree during your undergrad, that that should like haunt you for the rest of your life. I mean, it's really not quite fair. You're so much more than that. You've done more than that. And so show us that, tell us that. And you do that, your references do that, then it should bode well for you. Um, but hopefully that answers your question on the academic side, how we weigh that all out and professional references. Again, they really play a big role in, in the decision-making. So I, I'd also advise you to say to your referees, you know, they're open free, free form boxes you know, I know Ivy loves it when it's more than one sentence. And you probably think, who only writes one sentence? Sadly, I've seen a lot of that. And it's not even like a really well-written descriptive sentence. And, and that to me shows either one of two things or a combination. One, they didn't really know the, the, the candidate, unfortunately. And two, they were rushed or didn't really take it that seriously. And that, that's, that's too bad, right? References play a role. So I would, if I were you, I'd say to your references, there's a free form text box. You don't have to write a 500 word essay. No, but I would like more than one sentence, you know, a few sentences, maybe there's an example, but really highlighting some skill sets that you have showcased that really stand out to them. On the note, and, and it's, I forgot to comment on this in the essays or on the word count. Often we are asked questions about what does the word count have to be 250 exactly? Will I be cut off? So you will not be cut off at all. You can write as much as you would like. But we do advise you to be around the 250 word count. And we know when essays come through and they're at 500. And what does that tell us? You can't follow instructions. So please be mindful of the word count. But can you go over within a reasonable amount? Yes, you can. If you're going to ask me what's a reasonable amount, I mean, take that with what, maybe let's be logical about this. And maybe it's about, you know, 275, you know, less than 300. Um, you really don't want to be going too far over because, again, it just shows you're not able to follow the instructions too well. So uh, that's the last bit in the essays. I, I do uh, apologize. I forgot to comment on earlier. So I don't know if there's any other questions that are top of mind for this. Yeah, I would say is next steps. If you have not yet started an application, you know, there's no pressure that once you start an application, you actually have to submit it. But, um, you know, you can work on it in a rolling basis and submit it when you're ready. 
Um, we only need the unofficial transcripts at the time of your application. If, of course, you are extending an offer, we will need the official ones before the first day of the program. Um, so that is something that you can certainly, you know, think about doing if you've not yet already. But, you know, once you get in there, it's, we do have instructions within the application. We even have an application handbook that we do give a bit of advice. Also, we do have, again, all those on-demand resources that will help. And Amy and myself are here as well to really help with making sure that um, all your kind of remaining questions or concerns are ready. I'm also asked, like, well, will you edit our essays? No, uh, we won't edit your essays. I mean, you're professionals. We, we're pretty certain you can write an essay. And these are pretty straightforward essays than um, what we're seeking to understand from you. Now, if you, especially the essay number two, you know, around that challenge or um, situation that you faced that you had to overcome, I understand if you're not sure this is the best example, or if you want to talk through to say, here's the two I'm, I'm debating between. What, what are your thoughts? Absolutely, we're happy to give you our perspective on that, but that's pretty much as far as it goes. Otherwise, we won't really edit it um, to go into it. We, we trust that you've got that capability to put forward your, your own well-written essays. Uh, I mean, now with Days of the Grammarly and every other apps out there, I'm sure you can write it even better. Um, so by by no by no means, of course, like we're here to support you, but we're not going to go right into the editing field for you. But uh, I'm not seeing any other further questions come through. So I am also aware of everyone's time. I do want to appreciate you for tuning in and even just considering, you know, applying to, to join our program. You know, we really offer a rewarding experience. Um, it's transformative. It's a lot of an adjectives to describe it, but and the application itself, I don't want to take away from it, but it's not onerous. You know, it's pretty straightforward. Oftentimes, candidates will overanalyze their essays, and there's just no need for that. You know, write, you can write a good essay. Why the MBA? Why now? You, you know that. What are you hoping to get out of it? You know that. So, you know, write that in there. And then the challenger change, I understand that it takes a little bit more reflection. We've all faced so much. I mean, COVID alone, Bob brought different challenges to our lives. Um, so whatever example you feel is best, you know, please do, do share. And then, of course, your references. Uh, again, I really do advise you to submit those forms as soon as you can, after you've spoken to your references. And a reminder, they don't need to be submitted when you submit. We only need to be in the sent question. Awesome. Question coming through on Kira. Um, you've opened the link and tested your devices. Are the two questions listed there considered sample questions? Or are they the actual interview questions? So you can go into a practice section. So the practice ones will allow you to practice. And then yes, the, the two there listed would be the ones that would be recorded to your, to your profile. So, um, great question. And I, and I really do recommend that you go in and do the practice ones, but be prepared to record too. So don't be in your pajamas. Um, and there actually was someone who did their care in their pajamas because they weren't aware they're being recorded. So the person was still admitted, but just saying, don't do that. They'll go in, dress comfortably. You don't need to be in a full suit or, you know, you can be comfortable with business casual. I'd recommend not like a ripped t-shirt or again, your pajamas. Go in, prepare to the practice questions. And then yes, the two that are linked to your profile, you will record those two and they will be added to your, to your profile. And unfortunately, no. Uh, you cannot redo them. So once they are done, they are done. Now, again, if it happened to be not your best showing and maybe your cat jumped on you, the doorbell rang, which I've also seen before, that's okay. We know we all, a lot of us work from home now. Things are going to happen. You're not going to be judged against that. But if you're all concerned about your videos, it does not hurt to contact myself or Amy to say, listen, this happened, et cetera. That way, when we watch it, we know you've already told us like, okay, this happened, no big deal. Um, so, but yes, the most awkward part of it, absolutely are the cure questions. Um, but don't overthink them. Don't sweat it too much. Really. We are just trying to get to know you a bit better. 
Um, and these are pretty straightforward questions that um, you know you should be able to, to answer. Um, I think another question that's asked is around when you've been working on a project with a colleague and they become unresponsive. Like, what would what have you done, or what would you do? Um, so that's one again to showcase. Like, what would you do in that situation, right? Like, how do you approach it? Um, so that's another uh, spoiler uh, for a question. How do you prepare in advance? You might be asked that. Well, thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in today. Really do appreciate it. Thank you for our interest in our MBA experience. We really think it's a fantastic MBA um, program um, for multitude of reasons. And we uh, appreciate you tuning in and showcasing an interest. Please reach out to either even myself if you have any further questions. And uh, otherwise, have a great rest of your week. And hope you have a great weekend. Take care, everyone. <laughs>